from deep inside your audio device of choice. Deep and cold. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, two items here at the beginning of the program, um, possibly unrelated, except that they both uh, belong in the annals of mendacity. Uh, the first is from four years ago, four, four uh, years and change ago. It was a day in mid-August in 2016, and um, it's memorable because it was the date that then-candidate for president, Donald, you know, who, Donald J., whatever, uh, had announced he was going to have a news conference, that was were his words, to discuss his conclusion about whether or not Barack Obama was a uh, an American citizen who was thereby eligible to be president of the United States. A debate which he had, he, Donald J., whatever, had um, fostered over the previous many months. And... Um, the expectation levels were so high, I don't think he had had a news conference where he took questions uh, for the six, uh, preceding several months. So CNN went live to the podium, or actually the lectern, uh, sometime, probably a half hour before the scheduled start of the event. And um, as I say, there was a flurry of expectation attending the uh, event, and in the event, at the appointed time, uh, the gentleman in question, Donald J. whatever, took the lectern, read a two-sentence statement to the effect that, yes, Barack Obama was an American citizen and was legitimately entitled to run for and be elected president, and left the room immediately thereafter took no questions. And it was the next day, and I, I don't have any verification for this except a really strong personal memory of this. It struck me kind of odd that it was on the very next day for the first time that both the New York Times and CNN began describing the uh, serial mendacities of the presidential candidate as lies. They had never used that word before. And all of a sudden, in the wake of being um, rope-a-doped on a press conference where no questions were taken, they began using the L word to describe his uh, proclamations. That was interesting to me. It came back to my mind last week when um, Brian Williams announced that he was leaving NBC, where for the last few years he has been anchoring the 11 o'clock broadcast. Not, it's not a broadcast. Cablecast on MSNBC. I'll explain it to you one day if you need it. Um, and in the process of their story about Brian Williams leaving... The New York Times described his problems of a few years earlier. I don't know if you remember them. Brian Williams had gone on many a late-night talk show trying to young up his uh, news audience. 
and told some anecdotes, some stories, um, prominent among which was a story about him being in a helicopter in, Viet- in, in Iraq that was shot down. And it turned out that the helicopter he was in hadn't been shot down. Another helicopter was, but not his. And he was suspended for all of six months from NBC. And uh, when he was let back, not into primetime, but into a late-night slot, he had said at the time uh, of his six months off the air, quote, it felt like torture, unquote. This is at a time when the United States was practicing torture. So in any case, back to the present, the New York Times summarized that history of his by saying he had survived a fabulism scandal. Those were the exact words of the New York Times. A fabulism scandal. Later in the same piece, the same event was referred to as he exaggerated an anecdote. I guess he would have to threaten to hold a news conference and not take any questions for that to be described in the New York Times as a lie. Hello, welcome to the show. We must have lunch real soon. Your luggage is checked through. We've got inflation licked. I'll get right back to you. It's just a standard form. Tomorrow without fail. Pleased to meet you. Thanks a lot. Your check is in the mail. Marooned, marooned, marooned in a blizzard of lies. Marooned, marooned, marooned in a blizzard of lies. Your toes and knees aren't all you'll freeze when you're in it up to your thighs. It looks like snow, but you never know when you're marooned in a blizzard of lies. Won't wrinkle, shrink, or peel Your secret's safe with me This is a real good deal It's finger-licking good Strictly by the book What's fair is fair, I'll be right there I am not a crook Marooned, marooned, marooned In a blizzard of lies Marooned, marooned, marooned In a blizzard of lies Watch your step when your old dog chef can't even look you in the eyes. You're cold and lost and you're double-crossed when you're marooned in a blizzard of lies. We'll send someone right out. Now this won't hurt a bit. He's in a meeting now. The coat's a perfect fit Strictly fresh today Serve us with a smile I love you darling Till I die We'll keep your name on file Maroon, maroon, maroon In a blizzard of lies Maroon, 
marooned, marooned in a blizzard of lies. Walk on, walk on with hope in your heart, and you're in for a big surprise when you're marooned, 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 marooned in a blizzard of lies. A blizzard of lies. From New Orleans, Louisiana, and paying tribute to the recently departed Dave Frischberg, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Well, more, more, to, more to say. A South Korean scientist has found that not only fishery products, but also agricultural crops absorb microplastics. Only, only way not to get them into your body is to uh, stop eating. Yoon Hakwon, a researcher at the Korea Institute of Toxicology, cultivated a, ca- a cabbage family plant for 21 days on soil contaminated with heavy metal cadmium and polystyrene plastic. He observed the change in the cells of the roots and the leaves. Microplastics with an average size of 30 nanometers were found in the cells, smaller than the original size of the particles that were injected into the soil before cultivation, indicating that the low molecular organic acid that's generated through the metabolism of the plant and a change in neighboring microorganism activities have decomposed microplastics into smaller sizes. So if you want to get your microplastics smaller, just put them in the soil. See? The study confirmed the fact that the agricultural crops cultivated in contaminated soil can have a harmful effect on human bodies. That was Yoon's conclusion of the study, about the study. And a new paper by Staffordshire University and Rosalia Project, published in the Marine Pollution Bulletin. I read it for the uh, ads. Investigates procedural contamination when sampling for microparticles in aquatic environments. What? The study shows that a significant amount of microplastics and microfibers from scientists' clothing and gear mixes with environmental pollution in the water samples under study. So when the scientists are studying samples of stuff from the real world, turns out they're part of the world too, and they got microplastics on their clothes. In the field, this can occur, said the lead author of the study, this can occur due to the dynamic nature of the environment, such as wind or weather actions required to obtain samples, and the close proximity necessary for scientists to procure and secure samples, whether in a medium-sized vessel, small boat, or sampling from shore. In a mobile lab, this often occurs due to using small multi-use spaces and similar requirements for scientists to be in close proximity to the samples while processing. Data was collected during an expedition along the Hudson River from a uh, 60-foot sailing research vessel, the American Promise. Oh. The team tracked contamination by collecting fibers from every possible source of contamination on the vessel, including clothing worn by both the science 
and boat teams, as well as sail bags and tarps, sail and equipment control lines, and interior textiles. So they created a catalog to which every fiber and fragment found in environmental samples was first compared. If there was a match, that exact source of procedural contamination was noted. If there was not a match, the microparticle was considered pollution. The research found that when robust anti-contamination protocols were not used when taking water samples, 71.4% of the microparticles in the samples were contamination, and when those protocols were not used when processing water samples using another method, 68.4% of the microparticles in the samples were contamination. This study was designed to strengthen the scientific process, says the co-lead author, author, and has revealed the extent to which our clothing sheds, not just in the washing machine or dryer, but as we wear it and conduct ourselves in our everyday lives. Hey, man, you're shedding. Well, yeah, I didn't bring my instrument, but I am. It appears that we are all pig pen, said the co-lead author. But instead of walking around in a cloud of dirt, we may be emitting clouds of microfibers. Attention animators, get to work. Some takeaways for everyday people from this study, said the co-author, are to take care of the clothes we have. That can be done by adapting laundry routines to reduce fiber breakage. How do you do that? Wash in cold water, turns out. Huh. And air drying where possible. Being mindful of the uh, clothing we choose. More and more information is coming out about how much various types of fabrics actually shed and supporting brands and organizations who are aware of and addressing the problem by working to better understand our textiles and who are innovating to make them both more resilient and out of materials that exert less pressure on our natural world. study also sets forth methods inspired by forensic science that could make a significant reduction in the amount of contamination added to environmental samples. But washing in cold water, water, Water. How about that? How about them apples? News of microplastics, ladies and gentlemen. It is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast now. Well, two of the leaders of the smart world, Google and Tesla, coming under um, some scrutiny this week. First of all, Google's Nest Hub. This is uh, one of those setups where you uh, just connect every you you connect every uh, electric appliance in your household to uh, a central control center. A central center, that's right. And uh, then let, you know, Google know what you're using and what it's for and when and all that interesting stuff that they can certainly sell to uh, other people who might be interested in selling you stuff. Well, there's a, there seems to be a problem with the first generation of the Google Nest Hub. Users are reporting problems with it. Some comparing its functionality to that of a brick. This, according to the British tech journal, The Register. 
Google Nest Hub suddenly rendered frozen has little purpose beyond that of a paperweight. The Google, Google Home Hub, later called the Nest Hub, debuted three years ago. Much like Amazon's Echo, the device's purpose is to provide a visual user interface for supported smart home devices, as well as the functions of the Google Home device itself. The first operation, first generation devices were superseded earlier this year by the Nest Hub. Users of the older equipment have, however, begun reporting some distinctly odd behavior from their hardware. A look at Google's support forum shows a litany of problems that seem to start as summer drew to a close this past summer. Screens frozen and devices not responding to either factory resets or alternative power supplies and outlets. You know, rebooting. How do you... What would how how do you how do I quote my Google Nest screen is frozen with a G logo cannot factory reset complained one user another said quote my Google Nest Hub had been working just fine until a few weeks ago it restarted after a recent auto update and now it's been stuck on the gray screen with a G logo other users reported their devices freezing randomly less than ideal if one has bought into the whole connected home thing. And irritating, maybe, when uh, a favorite podcast stops just before we find out who committed the crime. The Register publication contacted Google to check what the issue might be. Yet to receive a response, Google's Fuchsia operating system began making its way into devices earlier this year, replacing its uh, predecessor. Some users have put two and two together and come up with their own less-than-fuchsia-friendly conclusion. One uh, posted in Google's community forum, quote, they confirmed that the recent OS update has brooked, <laughs> brooked, bricked hub devices with certain firmware revisions. They've been flooded with similar calls from other customers with this exact same problem. So your home works or not, depending on the uh, version of the OS. That's smart. And I mentioned Tesla. This is from uh, SFGate, the uh, title of the journalism project that uh, includes the San Francisco Chronicle. A Tesla Model Y electric vehicle is uh, part of what's going on here. Following a tumultuous year for Tesla, including the company's relocation to Texas, viral reports of cars on fire and other self-admitted quality control issues, Tesla has plummeted on Consumer Reports' annual list of most reliable car makers. The electric car manufacturer now ranks 27th out of 28 car brands on the Consumer Reports list. Above only Lincoln. And, you know, Lincoln is... Uh, Kind of a, an old coot among cars, you might you might say. As a matter of fact, I just did. Much of it has to do with overall reliability of electric vehicles in general, especially SUVs, which, uh, according to Consumer Reports says are at the absolute bottom in terms of reliability, according to Reuters. 
But considering that at one point the Model S Tesla excelled so much in Consumer Reports' own analyses that the organization said it was breaking the Consumer Reports rating system due to its excellence, the low rank is um, tough news for Tesla now. And it's legions, legions, not legions, legions of enthusiasts. Among the concerns Consumer Reports has for the Tesla models S, X, and Y, hey, doesn't that spell sexy without the E? According to CNBC, were issues with heat pumps, air conditioning, and notoriously misaligned panels, you know, like in the body of the vehicle where the parts don't, the parts of the body don't fit together. It's also worth noting that Tesla's Model X rated dead last among all cars, cars for reliability, scoring out of 100, a 5. The issue, according to uh, Consumer Reports, is that the company has the tendency to, quote, add so much tech that is not necessary, unquote. That makes for a product that varies wildly from year to year. It's part of the Tesla brand that enthusiasts adore says it here. As a result, it makes sense that even though Tesla and Lincoln are the lowest ranked in terms of reliability, they continue to fare well among its buyers, their buyers, and rank high in Consumer Satisfaction Index. Proof that buyers may value brand loyalty and innovation over reliability and stability. This is uh, included from a survey of about 370 vehicles sold over the last two and a half years. It is, ladies and gentlemen, a smart, 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 smart world. The clouds hang low and the rains do fall. Everybody sings a little blues after all, but our love rolls on. The skies grow dark and the winds do blow And counting on tomorrow is at best touch and go But our love rolls on Our love rolls on You and I have a reason to try We'll make it over love is alive cause our love grows stronger still and it always will so it's rain or shine as the fates decide and even though some trouble comes along for the ride still our love rolls on
reason to try. We'll make it over the hill. We survive, and our love is alive. Cause our love grows stronger still. And it always will. So it's rain or shine as the fates decide. Even though some trouble comes along for the ride, still our love rolls on. above it cause our love rolls on and on and on from new orleans this is the show and um i have to confess those of you who've uh, been with me for a long time know I uh, I'm occasionally a sucker for a good trial. I got I got OJ bad in the '90s. Uh, actually, the host of this program, the guy's talking to you right now, was uh, not only suckered into the uh, TV trial, but I figured the subsequent civil trial, which was being held blocks from where I lived then, and it wasn't on TV. I had to go cover that, and I did for Slate.com. So um, I, I I have a little have a little Jones for a, a good trial every once in a while. And this week was that time again when uh, Kyle Rittenhouse took the stand in his own trial. Now I have to admit that uh, like a, a lot of others, uh, certain details had eluded me first time around with this trial. Um, I thought that. It was illegal for him as a 17-year-old, which he was during the period when uh, the events, the trial discussed, took place, uh, legal for a 17-year-old to have an assault rifle. Silly me. Wisconsin law uh, says that a 17-year-old, somebody under the age of 18, cannot uh, possess uh, a such a gun if it has a barrel shorter than a certain distance, sawed off, if you will. And uh, the gun that Kyle Rittenhouse slung around him did not have that shorter barrel. So uh, that was a mistake that was easy to make if you weren't listening to the discussions among the attorneys when the jury was out of the room. Um, but anyway, you know, there was, there was this uh, verdict um, he was defending himself when he um, got himself over the state line from Illinois into uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, where a big demonstration was going on with a lot of fracas. And uh, as you know, he ended up shooting and killing, shooting three people, killing two, um, and was found by the jury on Friday not guilty of murder or anything like it. Which, um, you know, left a lot of questions in people's minds. 
the easiest to answer possibly is, what does he do now? Gee, darling, there's an awful lot of people out here tonight. Yeah, maybe we should call 911. I think you mean 1-800-911-KID. Now there's a new number to call when there's trouble. And whether what's needed is medical help, firefighting, or police services, it's the same number, 1-800-911-KID. Response is much faster than other emergency services because the 911 kid's mom is as dedicated as he is. And since the 911 kid provides his own security, trouble doesn't stand a chance. Look, hmm. he's already here. Good thing I called 1-800-911-KID. Me too. Call for the kid with the gun. 1-800-911-KID. As seen on TV. You can trust the kid with the gun. The 911 kid guarantee your trouble is over or he'll break down and cry. There's only one kid with the gun. But not for long. Not affiliated with any of the 911 services. Tells me what to do. Bernie lays it on the line. Bernie says we sue, we sue. Bernie says we sign, we sign. I'm in touch with my attorney, Bernie. In a clutch, he can speed right to the scene. If I'm locked up in the jail with just one phone call for my bail, he said to call his club collector, deal directly with his answering machine. When I dine with my attorney Bernie, he buys wine from the rare imported rack. That's cause Bernie is purist, not your polyester tourist. Bernie waves the glass around a while, then takes a sip and always sends it back. Bernie tells me what to do. Bernie lays it on the line. Bernie says we sue, we sue. Bernie says we sign, we sign. with the counterfeit debentures but you win a few you lose a few like Bernie says you keep on hanging tough thank 
Thanks to you, my attorney Bernie. Thanks to you, I'm considered well-to-do. Sure, I made out like a bandit, just exactly like you planned it. But like Murray, my accountant, told me yesterday, I owe it all to you. Bernie tells me what to do. Bernie lays it on the line. Bernie says we sue, we sue. Bernie says we sign, we sign. On the dotted line. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. In this case, it's uh, the guy who owns the whole outfit, conservative media mogul Rupert Murdoch. He's publicly rebuking the uh, former president, the guy I think you know who I mean. Whom? Who? Whom? Who? Whom? telling him to get over the past and to focus on the future. Well, that's an interesting thing for somebody to, to say to the former guy at this point in time. It's only been uh, Trump. Oh, they said the word. Continues to allege that the 2020 election was rigged, uh, including recently in the Wall Street Journal owned by Rupert Murdoch, should move on. Murdoch, 90 years old now, said uh, this week during the annual shareholder meeting of Nice Corp. Are anybody but Murdoch's at that meeting? Yes, strangely enough. Quote, the current, Amer well, the current American political divide is profound, whether about education or welfare or economic opportunity, said Murdoch. <laughs> yes, yes, I was. Whose family controls Fox Corp, which used to be called News Corp when I... Did that play on it? But, you know, the play that would occur now, you can't say on the radio. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That would be my question. It is critical. Uh, it's critical. It's crucial that conservatives play an active, forceful role in that debate, said Murdoch. But that will not happen if President Trump stays focused on the past. The past is the past. The country is now in a contest to define the future, said Murdoch. Huh. They've had a tumultuous professional relationship, have Murdoch and Trump, according to the Washington Post. Murdoch originally, in 2015, said, when is Donald Trump going to stop embarrassing his friends, let alone the whole country? But um, that changed, you might have noticed. New York Post editorial board, controlled by Trump, <laughs> controlled by Murdoch, was among the first to endorse Trump in 2016. But by 2018, Murdoch was quoted in Fire and Fury, the Michael Wolff book, as calling Trump an effing idiot, unquote. News of Nice Corp. Nice people. Trying to do nice things. And now... Thousands of tons of pesticides that seriously harm bees are being exported from the European Union. 
like Europe, despite a ban on their use outdoors inside the European Union. Data was obtained by the investigative arm of Greenpeace and a Swiss non-governmental organization, Public Eye, shows that 3,900 tons of banned neonicotinoid pesticides were destined to leave the European Union and Britain, the UK, for low- and middle-income nations. So I guess their, their bees are lower and middle-income, too. Those nations have weaker environmental regulations. In, uh, and this was just in the three months after the European ban came into force. The insecticides, which contain active ingredients thiomethoxam, imidacloprid, or clothiandin, clothliandin, clothlandin, clothiandin, take your pick, were mostly destined for Brazil, due to receive almost half the exports, as well as Russia, Ukraine, Argentina, Iran, South Africa, Indonesia, Ghana, Mali, and Singapore. So if you know any bees in those countries, you might want to warn them. The EU ban came into focus at the beginning of September a year ago. Neonicotinoid pesticides have been described by the International Union for the Conservation of Nature as a, quote, worldwide threat to biodiversity ecosystems and ecosystem services, like pollination. Some EU countries continue to use them under emergency authorizations. I got to kill the thing that's killing my thing. Eight EU countries are likely to have exported banned neonics since the ban. They've been fingered as, or named as, if you prefer, Belgium, France, Germany, Spain, Greece, Austria, Denmark, and Hungary, and the EU. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, Not the EU, the UK. The World Health Organization and the Food and Agricultural Organization welcomed the ban, said it was evidence of a growing consensus on the need to severely restrict the pesticides' use because of the large-scale adverse effects on bees and other beneficial insects. So, um, the naughty eight, Belgium, France, Germany, Spain, Greece, Austria, Denmark, and Hungary. Nothing else really that they've got in common that I can figure out, except I guess they don't like bees. That's fair to say, isn't it? And In this day and age, nothing is fair to say, ladies and gentlemen. And now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. A journalist working for one of Brazil's largest broadcasters has apologized for saying on TV this week that the only way his country, Brazil, could match Germany's wealth is if, if, is if Brazil killed its Jews. Good night, everybody. Jose Carlos Bernardi, a pundit for Jovem Pan, a right wing radio and television station made the comments in a discussion this week about a visit by the former Brazilian president Lula to Germany. Asked by a journalist how Brazil could attain the economic development enjoyed by Germany, Bernardi replied, only by attacking Jews will we get there. If we kill a a gazillion Jews and appropriate their economic power, then Brazil will get rich. That's what happened with Germany after the war. Unquote. Bernardi's remarks 
provoked an outcry by critics who accused him of inciting violence and repeating anti-Semitic stereotypes about Jews and wealth. A prosecutor in Sao Paulo is looking into charging him with incitement to hatred. In a statement, Bernardi said he, quote, apologized for the unfortunate remarks, unquote, he had made, saying he was, his intention was to highlight and address the influence done to Jews, the injustice, sorry, not the influence, highlight the injustice done to Jews by Germany rather than recommend it as a course of action. The network, Jovempan, also apologized for the remarks, but it has not responded to calls to fire Bernardi. A hotel in Prague that refused to host a recent World Uyghur Congress conference on grounds of political neutrality has apologized to the group. The Prague Marriott declined to host the event, according to Axios, citing an email message the hotel sent to a World Uyghur, World Uyghur Congress representative. The uh, German, Germany-based WUC advocates for Uyghur rights has condemned China for the systematic abuse of members of the minority group in the western region of Xinjiang, where the government has held up to 1.8 million people in a vast network of, quote, re-education, unquote, camps and detention centers. Ultimately, about 200 Uyghur exiles from 25 countries did attend the meeting in Prague. China has denied the abuse. It's accused of said the camps are vocational training facilities where Uyghurs and other Turkic people learn skills in an effort to prevent religious extremism. Marriott, according to an official of the World Uyghur Conference, bowed to pressure from China. Ben Garrow, Marriott's corporate media relations manager, said our hotel's response was not consistent with our policies. We're in the hospitality business, welcoming people from all around the world and from all walks of life, representing many beliefs. He said in an email, we're working with the hotel team to provide additional training and education on our long-standing practices of inclusion. After the story about the uh, refusal was published in Axios, a representative from Marriott called the Uyghur organization's representative in Prague and apologized. Did you know that there's a professional basketball team here in New Orleans? Yeah, it's called the Pelicans. They play in the NBA sometimes. Now a guard from the team, Didi Luzada, has been suspended for 25 games without pay for violating the NBA's anti-drug policy. He only played for five, five games for the Pelicans so far since he was drafted two years ago. Yeah, he's, he's that good that uh, he's only playing five games with the Pelicans. Look him up, look up, look him up in the standings sometimes. Sometime. Um, he um, tested positive for drostanolone, drostanolone and testosterone claiming he ingested the banned substances unknowingly during an off-season trip to Brazil. I consulted a nutritionist who recommended I take some vitamins and supplements, he said. Because she has a history of working with professional athletes, I would never have imagined that any of those substances would be banned or could be contaminated. Once I learned of the positive test, I immediately cooperated completely with the league 
to help all of us understand what exactly happened. I would never knowingly take anything that violates NBA rules. I accept my responsibility in this situation. I deeply regret that this happened, and I apologize to my team, my teammates, and Pelicans fans for this mistake. Unquote. Didi Lozada. Now, they can only apologize about the losing. One day before opening night, Maryville High School postponed performances of Legally Blonde after input from school administrations and the Board of Education. Where is this? Maryville is not the Maryville Forum, a newspaper, is not telling us where this is, says the superintendent of schools, said the material is not what she would expect to see or feel is appropriate for the classroom. The uh, decision to cancel the show was held during a closed session of the school board. All business is usually handled during open session to allow the public to view it. The licensing company for the musical Legally Blonde lists the show on their website as, quote, perfect for high school, but also offers a junior version geared toward middle schoolers. Anyway, the superintendent, wherever she is, apologized for the uh, error in mounting the show in the first place. Pardon me. Dateline Kingsport, Tennessee, the city of Kingsport, apologized this week after the arrangement of graphics on a billboard showed KKK. The city said the error was unintentional. According to the city's Facebook post, the billboard was promoting the city's leisure website. The picture of the billboard showed three large K graphics in a row with www thisiskingsport.com underneath. The city said its communications department will have a more stringent review process for such materials in the future. There's an Irish post-punk musical organization called Girl Band, comprised of four guys. They are now renaming themselves Gillaband. That's a very Irish name, apparently. We're changing our band name. We will no longer be performing or releasing songs under the name Girl Band. We apologize for choosing a misgendered name in the first place and to anyone who's been hurt or affected by it. When we were starting off, it was chosen without much thought from a place of naivete and ignorance. We had no grasp of the weight of it at the time, and in the past few years have found it impossible to justify or explain this choice. The name was meant to be tongue-in-cheek. Oh, that's the end of the quote. The name was meant to be tongue-in-cheek, but the band faced backlash for it, with many questioning why a group of men in a male-centered genre would call themselves Girl Band. Get it? Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf apologized this week for his, quote, honest mistake in asking his wife to deliver his mail-in ballot for the election. He apologized. I'm sorry I did it. It was an honest mistake. But yeah, it was, I guess, they say ignorance of the law is no defense, but I'm sorry. I apologize. He admitted he asked his wife, Frances, to drop off his ballot. She was going in, she said. He said, I said, you, could you take mine with you? It's um, illegal to, for anyone other than the voter to deliver a completed mail-in or absentee ballot in most instances in Pennsylvania. Deion Sanders... Wasn't he called Neon Dion when he was playing football? Or did I just dream that? Anyway, he's, he's not playing. He's coaching. Jackson State, 
and he said his players acted like idiots. He apologized for a post-game celebration that followed his Tigers' latest victory over Southern University. He made the apology on a video he posted on Instagram. He's in his second season as coach. He uh, addressed the coach of the team they beat, Southern. Coach Rollins, man, I appreciate you. You're one of the real ones, and I want to formally apologize, man. Players and coaches for both teams converged into a melee at midfield as the game came to an end, had to be separated by the security staff and police officers. Quote, we acted like idiots at the conclusion of the game, Sanders said. The gentlemen who thought it was proper to take flags out and plant them in the middle of the field were straight idiots. I want to apologize to all the fans, all the alumni, everybody associated with the Southern Jags. Hey, man, that will never happen again. We are supposed to be smart, fast, and disciplined. We forgot the discipline, and we forgot the character. Unquote. Deion Sanders. The production company of... I don't think that rates broadcasting. A Colombian police academy's decision to have cadets dress in Nazi-style uniforms as part of a cultural exchange has caused outrage and embarrassment. This is a Colombian police academy's decision. The event, which was meant to honor Germany, has also had a number of diplomatic consequences, with various statements of condemnation being made. Police cadets were pictured in uniforms with Nazi symbols along with Nazi flags and regalia. Pictures were shared widely online. The incident has caused deep embarrassment right up to the presidency, forced the country's president, Ivan Duque, Ivan Duque, to issue an apology while condemning Nazism. And another football crowd situation. UCLA officials have announced changes aimed at avoiding the type of surge that occurred Friday when fans waiting for hours to enter, oh no, this is a basketball game, sorry, when fans waiting for hours to enter Pauley Pavilion for a men's basketball game against Villanova prompted fears of a deadly crush similar to what happened at the Travis Scott concert in Houston. Athletic director Martin Jarmond outlined the plans in a Saturday afternoon tweet where he also apologized for a second time after Friday's difficulties. I apologize to all our students and fans who had challenges with the line to enter the game, he tweeted. We heard your feedback, and after discussing it with our campus partners, we will add more staff to assist and manage the line and conduct a deep dive with our campus partners regarding the distribution process for student tickets. We have high expectations for our student and fan experience. We didn't meet those expectations for everyone. We will learn from this and get better. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. A copyrighted feature of this broadcast. This is my swan song. It's a weary and wan song. It's the final cry of a dry imagination. Croak of a broken concentration It's the end of the line My ultimate destination My been here and gone song My swan song
This is my last song My flag at half-mast song It's the work of a brain with a circuit of blown-out fuses While I'm trying in vain to invoke my used-up muses Now it's all that remains of my dried-up creative juices My call forest lawn song my swan song Once I popped them out like waffles The good ones and the awfuls A new one every day But now I find I'm uninspired My wig's no longer wired I've nothing left to say but I'll say it anyway. So this is my new song, my long overdue song. It's the last flip flop of a wobbling top that's spun down. It's the weak tweet tweet of a parakeet at sundown. It's the last tick tock of a clock that's finally run down. My dreary and drawn song It's a weary and worn song My been here and gone song My swan song And now He's not a general Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. 60,000 inmates potentially did not receive credits for time served under the First Step Act's recidivism programs. That's according to the Department of Justice Inspector General. Quote, we're concerned that delay in applying earned time credits may negatively affect inmates who have earned a reduction in their sentence or an earlier return to the community, said the DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz. Report released this week. He also found that the Bureau of Prisons, BOP, B-O-P, failed to incentivize or reward inmates who completed programs in the first step thing. After the implementation of the sweeping first step act, a recidivism recidivism program was put into place with the time-served credit for inmates who completed it. The BOP, the Bureau of Prisons, told the Inspector General the credits weren't applied because, quote, they must be negotiated with the National Union because it would change conditions of employment, including determinations and application of earned time credits for inmates, for unit team staff working in institutions who are bargaining unit employees. Unquote. How about those apples? The DOG report noted a lack of in-person negotiations with BOP union members slowed the implementation of the act and the recommendations of the inspector general. Union uh, negotiations with the BOP, Bureau of Prisons, weren't taking place due to the COVID pandemic, despite BOP staff going into federal prisons across the country. The Bureau of Prisons did not respond to a request for comment. Inmates being 
treated unfairly in American prisons. Imagine that. News of Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations, radio-wise, and on your audio device of choice whenever you choose. And it would just be like not running into the kid with a gun if you'd agree to join me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. Email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and the playlist of the music heard here on all at harryshearer.com, and I'm on Twitter at theharryshearer. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead and to Garrett Pittman here at WWNO for their help with today's broadcast. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. With a tip of the Le Show Chapeau to Dave Frischberg, the show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions. So long from the Crescent City. <laughs>